0: What is up, you beautiful bastards? It's your boy, Ice-T Killer, a.k.a. Rabbi can Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Harry Campbell of therideshareguy.com. So this episode wasn't even supposed to happen. It wasn't in my radar. Harry literally blackmailed me. Okay, not literally, but he emailed me such an amazing pitch, I had to have him on the show. Harry's used this PR strategy among many to land himself a ton of press over the years. And I really wanted to share his exact strategies with you. So I got him on the show to share every single thing he does. You're going to learn three major things. Number one, how to set up your PR foundations. This is really important, especially if you have a launch coming up or if you just want to get press. Number two, the social media platform you should use to reach out on. And number three, Harry's step-by-step plan to get yourself on other shows and podcasts. You're going to enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more PR magic along the way. Enjoy. Before we jump into the conversation, go check out therideshareguy.com. Harry is a former engineer, turned Uber driver, turned business owner that teaches Uber drivers and other people like that how to make money. Also, if you like cowboy boots, my good buddy Will Roman just launched Chisos. That's C-H-I-S-O-S.com. Comfortable cowboy boots. Go give him a hoot at chisos.com. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Anguilla Nori, who said, this is the best podcast online. One, you're the best. You are the best, Anguilla. Thank you so much. And if you want a shout out in a future episode, just go leave an iTunes review and I check every single one. When you meet people... In Hawaii, you're out and they're like, oh, Harry, what do you work on? Do you say you're an Uber driver?
1: No, I definitely don't say I'm an Uber driver because it's also not really accurate anymore. But it depends on the person I'm talking to. If they're younger or youngish or in the digital media scene, I might say I'm a blogger. But even that isn't really kind of like what I do. Sometimes I tell people I run an online media business. It kind of depends on the person who's asking. And, you know, sometimes if they're really old, I might just say, oh, I'm a writer or something like that, since they may not know what a blogger is. That's interesting, based on the age group, how we change our answers. Well, it's sort of based on age group, but also potential involvement in tech or media or some other, you know, digital landscape. Do you get recognized by Uber drivers? I've been recognized one time randomly on the streets where I was crossing the street and some lady rolled her window down and she was like, "Hey, you're that YouTube guy, huh?" <laughs>
0: I wonder if you could say that to everyone you meet in general, and then I bet you'd have a pretty high hit rate. Not, I'm not trying to belittle your accomplishments. Sorry, I don't mean.
1: I hope you don't feel that way. Oh no, I'm already belittled.
0: I literally was thinking that all these Uber drivers and Lyft drivers be like, "Dude, you're the ride share guy. You're Harry, the ride share guy."
1: I definitely have a feeling because, I mean, when I get into Ubers and Lyfts, uh, especially, you know, I've had people recognize me. They say, oh, I took your course or, oh, you know, oh, I thought I I was hoping I was going to pick up Harry, the rideshare guy. So that stuff, you know, I wouldn't say it happens all the time, but it's definitely happened a handful of times. But I feel like sometimes, especially early on when I was really like, you know, out there pimping and promoting my site, telling every driver about it a lot of them would say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I think I heard of that site. And I'm pretty sure that maybe they heard about some other rideshare site or they weren't like, yeah, I know the rideshare guy. They're like, oh, yeah, I think I've seen your stuff before. But I'm pretty sure they hadn't. Did you have a driver say, hey, I hope you get in my car. I've been waiting for you to get the rideshare guy to get my car? Okay, so I think what has happened a few times is that people and this actually happened with delivery orders, too, because I place a lot of delivery orders. I'm really lazy. And it's also part of my job to research the delivery app. So I've had drivers or couriers who say, you know, because they see a little picture and it says Harry, or it's just a name that says Harry. And when they roll up, they see that it's me, the rideshare guy, and they're happy. And they say, Oh, I was hoping it was going to be you, you know, not that they've been, you know, driving every day in the hopes of meeting me. There's kind of a big difference, right? (laughs) Do
0: you wish you would have picked like Instagram models or like another category of people? Yeah, I wish I would have (laughs) picked the
1: points guy because I would much rather be traveling around the world on luxurious jets and he just wrote an article about his black Centurion card, which is like $5,000 a year. You know, I would much rather be doing a sexier industry, but at the same time, you know, you can kind of there's definitely a a bit of luck involved and uh, I'm I'm not complaining about this industry but yeah, if I could switch places with the points guy, I might do that. I mean, you still can.
0: I mean, there's no limit on points. I guess it's just figuring out an angle that you know
1: that you could take that's unique right and I think that's kind of like the whole challenge and what as I was building my business the rideshare guy and you know dabbling in all of these other online businesses that's what I was trying to figure out it's like hey you know we met back in the day I don't know if you know but I started with personal finance blogging so I owned a few personal finance sites and I feel like I would always look out there and look at these other big personal finance sites and think to myself like these guys are not that great of writers (laughs) they're not doing anything special they're doing anything really that different than me. I mean, I think I have good information, they have good information, but for whatever reason, they're getting millions of page views and I'm getting hundreds. So what's up? What do you think the difference was? Well, I think the difference in that case specifically was timing. What I kind of noticed in the personal finance space was that a lot of those early bloggers that had a lot of success, their content was good, but it wasn't anything that was you know one of a kind. I think it was just they were in the right place at the right time. They started blogging about personal finance when there were only a few of them out there, and as more and more people started to search for it and look for it online, they were kind of some of the first people doing it and doing a good job of it. Not to discredit what they were doing, but since they were first. First, you know, it helped them out. I guess I had this realization this weekend and
0: I was, oh, I'll be candid, I was a little buzzed. So, you know, when you're, you have an idea? That's when a lot of the best realizations happen or in the shower. Or the stupidest where people like, <laughs> I, I wrote it down. It's like, man, That's this is the greatest true. idea I've ever thought of. And then I was rereading it yesterday. I was like, that's still pretty good. But basically, you know, there's this thing in maybe MBA talk, like TAM, like the total addressable market or total available market. And I was realizing or thinking about it from a product business standpoint that each business or thing you work on has a capacity for marketing for how many people you can be reaching, which I guess is total available market. And so it was just interesting to think about within the Uber driver space, your addressable market of capacity, right? And the same thing goes for points, right? And I guess what another component I didn't even realize till we're talking about it is there's a lot more people that want points, but not only that, those people have a lot more money potentially than the uber drivers who are doing this as a part-time or maybe full-time gig
1: yeah that's a good point there's actually a really good couple blog posts on the early uber days where there was this kind of semi-famous nyu professor i believe his name is aswa Damodaran, something like that wow that and was he's great kind of, that was good yeah he's me. kind of well known for like he's like the valuation expert and he did a really lengthy blog post on uber's valuation in the early days and kind of looked at the total addressable market and kind of like what he thought they should be valued at and basically determined that they were way overvalued. You know, maybe at the time, the private investors were valuing them at 20 to 30 billion. And he was saying, if you look at the market size and all this, it should be a lot lower. And Bill Gurley, who is this famed, uh, you know, VC from Benchmark and, you know, very well known and well respected, kind of wrote a counter post to that and basically said that you're looking at it completely wrong. You're judging the total available market on the taxi market. Uber is going to go in, take all the taxi market and grow the pie, right? So if you were Just looking at that initial total available market, you're kind of missing the whole picture. And I guess I would say in some ways he was right, although now Uber's share price is way down. And so maybe less right, but still right. (laughs) There's also a book, E-Boy's, about Bill Gurley. That was their early days in Benchmark. Really interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I haven't uh, read that book, but I do like to follow him. I think he's pretty knowledgeable. And uh, fun fact, at a party one time, I introduced myself to him and he claimed that he knew me, but I don't think he actually did.
0: <laughs> one, that's just something you should say to everyone. No matter
1: what you say it to them, like you remembered it. You're like, oh my God, he knew who I was. So this one time I wrote an article for Forbes and it was about how seniors were flocking to Uber. And this was like early days and it was kind of like a, a fun article about how cool Uber was and how it was like enabling all these transportation options for seniors who weren't getting to doctor appointments and stuff like that. And I remember he shared it and retweeted it because you know he was like a big investor in Uber. And so I think he knew my name from that and among a few other things maybe. But so when I met him at the party, it was somewhat recently after he had retweeted that. And you know, he was kind of like my you know, man crush rush in the VC and tech world at the time, and maybe still is. So I kind of remembered that. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Let's break
0: down how you actually pitched to get on this show, because I think it was so... You made it a no-brainer for me to be interested. Obviously, we, we know each other and we're friends, which yep. changes the dynamic a little bit. And then I want to break down how you do your PR. And I had a friend literally today, a good buddy of my name, Alan, had a new product come out. And he said, I couldn't get any PR whatsoever. And you sent me this PR machine that you've created, or PR system, and so I actually want to talk about it and talk how you would approach Alan's product from a PR perspective. So let's go over your pitch to actually get on the show, because I think a lot of people want to get an influencer to do something with them, or want to get on someone's show, or want to get a blog post, or want to get a partnership.
1: I'm gonna pull up the email. Do you have the email? I actually have the email. It's funny that you mentioned that, and we totally did not plan this because I was hoping I was gonna actually bring it up. I was like, we should dissect the pitch that I sent to you because one of the kind of unique things I feel like about in my position is that I'm well known, very well known in the rideshare industry, and I get a lot of pitches. You know, as I'm sure you do. But I also don't want to miss out on a pitch. Like this morning, I got a pitch on LinkedIn. Someone added me on LinkedIn. I just I spotted a few things, and on his profile, and so I decided to quickly message him. And a few minutes later, was actually you know he connected me with the CEO of LAX airport (laughs) and I was chatting with her about a potential consulting project so it was sort of like you know I get pitched a lot but I feel like I kind of have a sixth sense for who to talk to and who not to talk to that you know maybe we can dissect but I think a good starting place is what I emailed to you.
0: So one preface I want to think because we launched fam a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. the thing that was a good reminder for me is I was trying to work with a lot of new people and if you're trying to work with someone new it's really hard to go into a pitch right away is something I took away from that because I would go to these people be like, hey, we kind of maybe know each other. Here's what I need you to do for me. And it yeah. just didn't feel right. So it was it was a reminder where if there's something coming out in your business or you're wanting to work with someone, I really think you have to do
1: something to help them or build a relationship month, six months, a year. Six you know, years. I'm totally stealing this from somewhere. And I'm sorry, I can't remember where I heard it. But I feel like you definitely have to like lay the foundation for asking something at a later date. And it's not that you and I became friends because I was like, oh, I'm gonna ask Noah for something in six months. But I was like, you know, thinking, I think in just in general, right, if you go, you might have a very low success rate of asking people kind of moment of. But I think it's more important to just build these relationships for that future product or that future ask that you might have when it doesn't feel like a huge ask in the future. That's kind of how I think, you know, you did a good job. But when you hit enter on that email and you're like, oh, God, I hope they say yes to me. You know, that you probably haven't done enough to build a relationship. Like when I sent that email to you, I was like, wow, this is gonna be really tough for Noah to say no to me. I think at this you point. knew that and I had this, I had a good feeling. About it, and you know, I, 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 you know, when I sent it, but I also it's because I've met you a few times, and I feel like I knew you well. But also at the end of the day. It kind of goes back to like, I knew I was going to be providing a lot of value to your audience. And I think that there are a lot of people who you could interview that would provide value to your audience. But if I'm like putting pressure on you to do it, you're probably going to pick me before someone else, right? It's like everyone has a million different priorities that they could do. There's probably a million different people you could eventually interview on this show, but who are you going to interview first? Probably your homies. I mean, the two things
0: I want to just take a step back on. If people are trying to meet people, one of the best ways that I found even to connect from the first time we met at a conference and we've had a lot of iced tea together. You know that eat tacos, drink a lot of iced tea. I think the two things that have helped me, though, connect is either A, give someone money. Mm -hmm. You could go and say, hey, can I sponsor like this small thing of yours or can I donate or can I contribute? I see what you mean. And what I found is that they're like, oh, this person's serious and they're not asking me for anything and they're willing to take me a little more at a higher status. So that's a way that I've connected. The other thing that you kind of made me reflect on, do you have the person's phone number? And I think there's something there where as a, a relationship level, if you actually care to connect with someone else, you have their phone number so you can text them yeah. about things. You didn't give me money yet, but I think you did buy me the lunch one time.
1: It's funny that you actually said give me money because I, I guess I haven't thought about it that way in the past, but I'm a big sort of proponent of like small investments now. Like I don't think I've ever gone to lunch, dinner, anything in the past five years and not offered to pay, not offered to buy. I kind of joked around recently like I was when all my wife's uh, friends were in residency because my wife is now a OBGYN resident. I would always be buying them drinks, always be paying for dinner. And I was—I would kind of joke with my friends. I was like, I'm making an investment right now. You know, when they're doctors in the future, surgery doctors and, you know, all these fancy doctors making hundreds of thousands, like I want them to remember me as the guy who was like always buying them $12 drinks back in college when they invite me onto their yacht in the future. So, you know, it's not like I'm like, doing it only because of that. But you can kind of imagine that there's like, you know, if you look at it analytically, there's like small things you can do now that sort of have outsized returns in the future. And I'm always looking for stuff like that, maybe because I used to be an engineer and think about it analytically.
0: I think people are probably wondering, you know, how do you connect with that other person? I think it's almost tiring to hear that shit like, oh, how do I connect? Or just one thing that we've done that seemed to be working is just go write about these people and how they've impacted you or write about recommending them. So one of the things for Shopify is we've written about different businesses that we recommend either part partners or products and that's made it a lot easier to be like hey we've promoted you guys a bunch here's something we're starting to work on this is something now we can talk about because it was a way to connect in a way that we just focused on benefiting them to start
1: yeah i like that and you know i just want to make sure that the audience gets at least like one key takeaway you know where they can just like use that and stand out from 90 percent of the rest so if people stop listening at this point right now i will say that giving someone money you know, I like that strategy. It doesn't necessarily have to be money. When someone emails me and says that they just left a podcast review, even if they say that they're a big fan, oh, I just left you an Amazon review. And so, when you are an author, you know, like, oh man, I need those Amazon reviews. I just bought your book and left an Amazon review. My book is $9.99 in Amazon. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, you will literally stand out from 99% of the pitches I get if you spend $10. If you leave a free iTunes review, you'll stand out from 95% of people. If you leave a comment on an article, I just left a comment and. Shared, you know, your article on Twitter, like you're starting to stand out, you know, and doing more than what most people are doing.
0: I love it. One of the things I've noticed lately is when I'm trying to get free products because I'm a social media influencer. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's the joke. I just tell them that I bought their product. I just hit up people and be like, hey, I bought your product. I really liked it. I want
1: to work with you to promote it. I'm not for free well because it's hard to say no to those people i mean i kind of have been doing this little experiment on and off for the past few years when i try new products if you know it's a really early product and their founder emails me or something i always ask for swag just to see what they'll say and nine out of ten times they say yes to me you know like i'll buy this tiny little i bought Nerdwax once and they emailed me and asked me about the product and i replied back to them i was like yeah it's pretty cool you guys got any swag or something like that and they sent me like some (laughs) t-shirts you know because it's hard for them to say no in that position you know not that you're abusing it, but you can kind of use that mindset, I think, um, you know, when you start providing real value to others and, you know, when you want to get on Noah's show. Okay. So step
0: one, if you want to work with any company or any person, it sounds like be a little strategic a month ahead, six months ahead, a year ahead, do different activities or figure out different activities that would help them elevate or help you stand out for money to writing positive reviews, to buying their products. It doesn't have to be money. It could also be just helping them things that they're working on or even referring a customer if you can't be a customer yourself. Now that you've gotten someone, they kind of maybe know who you are. Let's break down your pitch because I think this was just good. And it's people are gonna be listening. So we have to try to walk them through it.
1: But maybe at a high level, like how did you structure it to make it effective that you knew I was going to say yes? Basically, you know, I think subject title, pretty simple, casual, just something that kind of, I didn't put a ton of thought into this, just something that's kind of like casual and friendly. Yo, man, I think we're friends. And so, you know, something, you something casual. And uh, it looks like the first line, I kind of said, hope Austin's treating you well, still searching for a bike ride partner since we had met up before and done a bike ride. So, you know, obviously, like I knew that you had moved to Austin. So I wanted to, you know, not make it seem like we haven't chatted in forever, but just something in the, a little bit like, hey, I kind of know what's going on in your life right now. It's not like we haven't talked in a year or two. And then, And I also realized, you know, a while ago we had chatted about me doing a YouTube video for your channel. And I think it was when you were really looking to push into YouTube. And for whatever reason, you know, maybe, it, you know, I think I turned something in. It wasn't a good fit or you guys forgot about it or never ended up posting it. Not a big deal. You know, I'm a content creator myself, so I totally understood it. But at the same time, I did do some work for you guys. And I kind of was like, all right, this is a good opportunity. I want to come on Noah's podcast. I'll mention it and say, hey, here's a way that you can make it up to me. You know, kind of I think I put a smiley face. They right? like <laughs> guilt on me, man. Right. But at the same time, you know, I did submit some video to you guys and it was never used. And so I sort of just use like a little bit of a guilt trip against a friend at the same time where I know I'm able to provide a lot of value. So the next part is kind of like where the real pitch is. And it's kind of like, I guess slightly selfishly, like I get a lot of questions from friends and bloggers and people who want to know what we do to work with the media. And I felt like going on your show was the perfect forum for me to talk about how we do it and how I get it all done so that in the future, when people ask me, I can just point them to your show. So I think that it is uh, mutually beneficial for everyone. And we have a page on my website on the Rideshare Guy, which we can link to. That's basically, or we call it around the web. And we don't do it anymore, but we used to add every single time we got quoted, linked, featured, or whatever and you can see just by looking at it there's literally like hundreds on one page and these are only the ones my va has written down and so that's really kind of what i laid out to you it's like hey noah i've been you know, quoted, featured in the media over 2000 times. Here's some quick proof that you can look at. And I want to share this with your audience. And um, if you're up for it, all you need to do is say yes, make it really easy for you to say yes. That's a short part of the email. And then I basically laid out a script of what we can talk about in the podcast, because I'm a podcaster myself. And I know that, you know, if I'm going to interview someone, you want to do a good job researching what they're doing and you want to make sure that they know what the hell they're talking about and that you're going to provide, you know, have an interesting interview or whatever it might be. So that's kind of the secondary part of the email, which I separated with a little, I guess, like 10 dashes, which I like doing in long emails to people, which is like a small little hack or trick. So you look at kind of the short email and then it's like, okay, if you're interested now, here's like all the other crap, which I suspect you didn't read all of it. Nope, ignored it. You kind of went, you started going (laughs) through it and you're like, damn, this guy's pretty thorough. If I do ever want to interview him, I literally have a script right here. Done. So I did read the top part, and
0: then through your bottom section, I think what was interesting about it was that you made it really easy, like, hey, here's things that are unique that you're probably not hearing other places that your audience would enjoy. It was a little bit dense in words, but it was easy. I think one thing I want to take a step sideways on here is, is this a template you
1: use or did you write this just for getting on this show? So this was actually just for your show. And the reason why I put a lot of extra time into it was because I was pretty sure you were going to say yes. So I didn't feel like there was going to be any wasted time or effort. If we didn't know each other as well, and I thought you were still like the best venue for this interview, i probably. probably wouldn't have done as much work. And it's kind of how I like to look at it. I like to look at it as like a slider. You know, if I'm going to do the bare minimum, maybe it's I tweet you ahead of time. If I'm going to do a little bit more work, you know, maybe I send you an email and a tweet a month in advance. If I'm going to, you know, really plant the seeds, maybe six months in advance, I send you a gift or whatever it might be. You know, I don't know. I'm just sort of using that. But it's like you can sort of see the more invested you want to be or the better opportunity you think it is, the more work you might do up front or the longer the pitch you might do. The reason I ask that
0: is because I do the same thing where if I'm reaching out to someone and I really wanna get them, how much time am I actually putting into it? And sometimes I have to even remind myself, like, shit, I should be putting even more time in because this is not a
1: short or light thing that you put yeah, together. And so to be frank, like you're one of the podcasts that I subscribe to. So I don't listen to every episode, but I do listen to episodes. The most recent one I listened to was on a hike in Hawaii. It was the uh, Super Bowl champion guy, Lombardi or something yeah, yeah, like Lombardi. that. Yeah, it was awesome. So, you know, I actually do listen to your show. And frankly, like for the podcast that I really want to go on, I'll actually listen to one or two episodes, leave a review on iTunes and then reach out. And that's a bit of work and it might not work with 100 podcasts that you want to go on. But if you target five or 10 and you listen to podcasts anyways on a weekly basis, it's really not that much effort.
0: Do you have a hit list of shows that you're aiming for? And then you start planting some seeds and investing and be like, oh, this is stuff I want in the future.
1: So I do that a lot with the media. So frankly, I don't do a ton of podcast interviews. The last time I did a round of podcast interviews was when we launched our course, I think, or maybe my book a few years ago. But I feel like the media has really helped my business grow. And I was just at this conference, FinCon, which, you know, and is a personal finance conference for bloggers, super fun. You weren't there this year, which was a bummer. But one of the things that I feel like really I noticed was that a lot of people are not doing some of these most basic media strategies. Like anytime I would bring any of this up, no one was doing like any of the 50 things I was doing. So,
0: So what's some of the basic stuff that you think most people, like the 80 20 that most people should be doing?
1: So, for example, like with journalists, especially uh, if you're looking to get media, like they all are on Twitter. And I guess this works really well with journalists or people that you're reaching out to, like kind of like we talked about, providing some level of value providing something that, you know, from their perspective, they're going to value even a a little bit like a small social share, for example, like reporters are all on Twitter. This is one of the reasons why I love using Twitter with reporters, because literally, you're not a real journalist if you're not on Twitter. (laughs) And uh, so you can kind of get a hold of a lot of these people, or they might see it, or you can interact with them, you can follow them, you can like them, you can comment on their statuses or comment on their actual articles. If you want to get into like one of the specific things we do, we do a weekly roundup of news stories every week. And And we feature, let's say, three to five different reporters every week, you know, someone who wrote this story on Uber and this story on Lyft or whatever it might be. And then at the end of the month, I actually will have my VA go in and she tweets out all those articles. So she'll say, hey, you know, or, you know, just like a normal share, like at Noah, at AppSumo, and then share the article, like a pretty generic share, you know, so now they might see our name once, you know, once we feature them in our roundup, we send another tweet that lets them know, like kind of in the week after they are featured, like, hey, at Noah, we featured you in our latest news roundup. And then we link to that article. So now it's sort of like we're kind of playing on the fact that like everybody loves to be featured, right? Everybody loves like, who the hell is this rideshare guy? But he featured me. Cool. (laughs) You know, so now that kind of, you know, just like gets them a little bit happy. And one thing I've sort of seen about, you know, not only journalists, but everyone like everyone likes to hear that they're doing a good job. Like when readers email me and tell me I'm doing a great job, that makes me feel good. So that's sort of what we're we're building on there. And then at the end of the month, we'll actually go in, I use a tool, it's a Gmail plugin that there's a free option or a paid option called mail merge, where you can basically send uh, an email and add certain customization fields. So similar to the pitch that I sent you, I'll customize a few different things. So the first name, duh, you know, so it'll say, hey, Noah and each reporter will get an email that says, you know, hey, Noah, whatever their first name is. And then it says something to the effect of, you know, uh, we've been following your stuff for a while and we just featured your latest story on and I just do a very casual title for the story. So it's not something super spammy like on the rise and fall of Uber and Lyft, you know, that would be really weird that you would never write in an email to your friend, but it would just be like, hey, I featured your story on Uber's latest earnings last week, right? Super casual, but it shows that I read your article and then, you know, we try to provide some value without asking for anything. So it's sort of like I know that a lot of reporters want to be connected with drivers. They want to know what's going on in the industry. You know, they want to know about potential stories. I don't ask for anything in that email. I just sort of provide all that info to them and then leave my contact info in the hopes that they'll reach out to me in the future or that my name is now in their head if they have a future story on Uber or Lyft and kind of like build that relationship. Well, one thing you did I in reading your outline,
0: which made it really easy to to talk about, is like one of my questions that I was thinking about. I'm like, well, who cares, right? Like so you know, newspapers are dying. There is online <laughs> news, right? There's these different online articles. and now you have some journalists who know you. what's the value in actually getting press and, and that, like what's the value of
1: doing any of this stuff? Well, I think that that's actually a pretty good question. Because if you go out and pay a PR firm, they're going to tell you, oh, you're going to get tons of brand awareness. Well, what the hell does brand awareness mean, right? (laughs) Unless you're, you know, one of these mega companies running, you know, like a car company running commercials all over the place. Like, I don't think brand awareness really matters for the typical blogger or the small entrepreneur. You know, what I've seen is that people are willing to pay thousands of dollars for links from high quality sites. And so I'm not an expert in SEO, but when usually when people are willing to pay thousands of dollars for something, something, I know it's pretty damn valuable, right? So if I can get some of those similar links. So when I'm working with the media, you know, I'm trying to establish these relationships. But at the end of the day, I'm really trying to get links back from their site to mine. And I'm trying to get them to mention me by name and my site. And then of course, like with a link, you know, depending on the outlet, if it's a really big one, or the more that they feature you, if a whole article is about you, you might actually get some traffic from it. So in my first year of running the Rideshare Guy, we got kind of our first first feature of just me on uh, Wired. And they basically did a whole article about me and my site and how we were helping out Uber and Lyft drivers. And I still remember to this day because the site crashed, but we got over 10,000 page views in one day. And it's still very, you know, ranks very highly up there. And in addition to all the SEO benefits, which are, you know, hard to quantify, but we know that they're valuable. You know, one thing that I've noticed, and I, everyone
0: says it, Literally, everyone says it is like, I want to create value. I want to send something valuable to people. Our software is valuable. Well, if it's so valuable, why isn't no one buying it? And I think that's part of the problem sometimes with wanting to get uh, featured or wanting to get pressed or wanting to get on a podcast is people are saying, yeah, I can come and be on your show and be super valuable to your guests, but it's so transparent. They're just trying to get something selfish for themselves. It is interesting. How do you know it's actually valuable for the other person
1: versus just the totally selfish, like, this is exactly what I want for me? Well, I mean, I think honestly, I think you're right. I don't know if there's any way to get around that. I think like a lot of these things are a bit, selfish at the end of the day, right? I'm doing this whole media strategy. I'm not doing it to help reporters. That's kind of like the secondary effect. That's the secondary benefit for them. The main benefit, to be frank, is like, for me, I'm doing this for me because I know that if I get a bunch of links, this is going to help my site. It's going to build my traffic. But at the same time, I know that reporters, for example, they're strapped on time. They're strapped on cash. (laughs) They're strapped for, you know, a lot of things. A lot of reporters actually have two different emails, one for generic pitches and one for friends or one for people they know or sources that they like and things like that. So when you really get into their mindset, you can imagine that this is really going to help them in one way that let's say you have a new product or a new company, and you're trying to pitch a reporter, if you send them a pitch that has everything that they might need, kind of like what I sent to you, that makes it as easy as possible for them to do their job, they might still get 10 of those that are all like that. But you're increasing your chances of them selecting you by helping them, right? If you're a reporter, and you have to write two stories a day, and you get a pitch that has all of the info you need about a new company that's launching, that's expanding, that, you know, could potentially be a headline on tech, crunch and it has a customer that you can talk to. They even list the competitors in the pitch because, you know, like a good journalist isn't just going to write a fluff piece about some company. They're going to say, hey, you know, they've got competitors and here's what their competitors are doing. Give them all that information. And it actually like not only is going to make your pitch stand out, but it makes their job easier. So you are providing value to them, maybe secondarily, but makes it easier for them to pick it. So there's a few other things in your strategies.
0: And it sounds like there's different pieces. I'm going to highlight just a few of them. But I think would be actually the most interesting because this is I know I'd IBM as a listener is like, let's do it. Let's do real ones. Let's do it. You know, yeah. so you already have your stuff, which everyone's like, yeah, what about me? Uh, so a few of the ones that you said, and I'm just going to speak through them real quickly is Haro. I think most people today knew Haro. It's where reporters put out requests. So one thing I think you did that I liked is you you filter it if there's a keyword. So I think that's really yeah. smart. You put media badges on for social proof. I think that's really well, good. Let me
1: just give you one quick example on the Haro, if you don't mind. So the third thing I told you is I also find them on Twitter if they give their name and outlet and I find them on Twitter and I let them know on Twitter. I just at them, hey, at Noah, I just replied to your Haro request looking for someone to talk about Uber earnings calls. I wrote the book on this thing. Let me know. That's all I do. And I actually just replied to a HARO request this morning and the guy followed me after I sent that. I don't know if he's replied back to my email yet, but these guys on HARO get like hundreds of requests. So you can imagine just by taking five seconds and going to Twitter and sending them a quick little message, they now are seeing your name in two places. So that's all I do right there. Have you tried messaging on Instagram as well? I haven't, but that would be probably a good strategy for maybe, you know, if you're reaching out to influencers or someone who's, you know, more, you know, using Instagram or I guess even report a lot of these reporters I notice are on Instagram and they're probably not getting bombarded as much on Instagram with pitches as they are on uh, Twitter. Not yet. I've been doing the
0: Instagram more to, to communicate with people, even more than email. The response rate is much, much higher so far.
1: Yeah. You know, I will even say that I totally believe that because I'm going to give the secret out right now. Like I tend to check my Twitter very frequently and I tend to check Instagram maybe second and Facebook page third. So if you're like emailing me or you're messaging me on Facebook, you're probably not getting a response or you're not getting one for weeks at a time. But Twitter, if you send me a DM, I'll at least see it. I may not respond if it's a really weird or bad question, but I'll at least see it. What do you use to find their personal email addresses? And the reason I
0: ask is because I've tried a few tools recently and I've noticed if you email, find their Gmail and actually email that it's a much higher chance of response.
1: Yeah. So I actually have my VA do this part. So I'm not even really sure what she uses, to be honest. But typically, what I tell her is that a lot of reporters, you know, they do want to be contacted. So they may have an email on their Twitter profile. They may have it on their, a lot of writers have it on their personal writing site. If you go to the contact page, you can also check their author profile page. You know, if they write for Forbes, you can check their author profile page. And sometimes they have the email there, or you can just test out a bunch of different lookup services. And when I'm doing it, I use this plugin called LinkedIn Sales Navigator. It used to be called Reportive. And if you type in someone's email, like, If you work at AppSumo and you type in Noah at AppSumo.com, it'll actually populate it on LinkedIn if there's a matching profile. And so I use that a lot. And I'll just do like a quick guess, like Noah at AppSumo.com, Noah.Kagan at AppSumo.com or N at AppSumo.com or NK at AppSumo.com, you know, whatever, like the four or five most common variations are, I'll guess it really quickly. And like maybe eight out of 10 or seven out of 10 times, I'll, I'll figure it out. Do you need to pay for that LinkedIn Navigator thing? So I think they have a light version and a paid version, and I use the free version. It used to work a lot better. It still works, but it's not as good as it used to be. It's working right now. So I'm trying
0: now uh, a tool. I just met these guys, and I was really impressed with the quality. It's called rocketreach.co. So there's a few of these other ones. This is one that I've, like, super well integrated. They have a lot of the data. They had It's been good. So rocketreach.co is a Chrome extension and a site. They have a free version for finding email addresses that I've really liked. All right. So... And feel free to chime in like that. That was really helpful. So Haro, set up alerts, but also double bang them, be like, yo, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> Gmail, yeah. all, LinkedIn I message. Mean,
1: one of the best pitches I ever got was from someone who kind of hit me up on all the platforms, but he did it in a way he was like, Hey, I know you're really busy, but just in case you missed my email, I also wanted to send you a message on LinkedIn. And he did that on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. And like the way he did it wasn't too annoying because he was like kind of made it seem like, Hey, I know you're so busy and so important and so cool, you may have missed my email. <laughs> you know? So I think the way you do it. Does definitely matters. Yeah. I
0: think one thing that was, uh, I was talking with a recruiting firm last week and I haven't recruited in about a year. I have, you know, strategies and systems and I've done a lot of it over the years, but I just haven't done it in a while. I have a, And so they reminded me though, cause I started doing it again recently and, and they're doing it. And I was like, you know, I'm not getting these responses. And their first question, which I thought was so astute was how many times are you messaging them? I'm like, what do you mean? I like hit them up an the email. I sent them a LinkedIn thing and you know, maybe Instagram or uh, maybe Twitter. And they're like, that's it. They're like, we message people at least five times. And it was a good reminder, not to be annoying, right? It doesn't have to be five, but it was a good reminder for myself that it's like, it isn't the first reply. Like most replies it's like 50% are going to be on the second, third, fourth, or fifth. So you do have to be persistent. And people know if you're just spamming everyone versus you fault the second time, they're like, oh, this person's a little more
1: serious. I'll even give a good example. Like I typically follow up with people twice. So I use a Gmail plugin called Boomerang and I'll set a little reminder for it to come back to me if they don't reply. And I think the to really help people understand like just how busy people are. Like you're, I consider you my friend. I, I can also throw another blogger under the bus. My buddy, you know, Sam who runs Financial Samurai. He's also my friend. And I would say that Most of the time when I email you two, you guys don't respond to my first email. It usually takes one or two follow ups from me and we're friends. So imagine if you're some random person or someone that you only met once and you're sending someone email like don't feel bad if they don't follow up with you, like expect that it'll take one or two follow ups.
0: I think it's like if you really want it and dude, I replied to your first email, by the way, but it is like most people do one and they're like, all right, you don't really want it. A lot of times when I have job applications, I don't reply to the first time, specifically for a sales role to yeah. see if they do follow up. Yeah. Let's go through a few of these other ones you said, because I do want to get into the live one. And I think that'll be really meaty. I'm just going to cool. highlight, jump in if it's critical. Media badges, basically social proof you put on your site. This one, it seems like a more older school thing, but like the weekly news roundups. But I think it's a great way to conceptually what you're doing there, which I really like is, hey, person X, I'm promoting you, I'm helping you. I'm just telling you that I did it. I'm not asking for anything. And that's a way that you've kind of built relationships or started relationships versus, hey, here's something I need. It doesn't have to be a weekly news run up. That's the Harry Campbell rideshare guy model. But that's it's a great strategy. I like this last one. This is something we did at Mint a lot, which is you have a survey and you collect data. And I think there's a really interesting thing with every business blogger or software or e-commerce product, which is how can you take your proprietary information, whether it's a survey, whether it's sales data, whether it's analytics and then turn that into content. That was the main strategy, but you're doing it with the survey and you send it out to all the bloggers or to the journalists you have relationships with. And that's a way to
1: get a lot of uh, write-ups about different things. Yeah. So, I mean, all of these reporters who we've been, you know, featuring in our roundups at the end of the year, we do our survey and we, you know, make a nice little report and send a nice little pitch and send it to all of them. And pretty much every year we've gotten at least five to seven dedicated write-ups and top outlets, you know, NPR, Forbes, whatever about these surveys. And, you know, we make it catchy. We, you know like this year i I know we have some interesting findings that you know we we know what they want to see right like they don't want to just see like uber drivers are making more money there this year it's like uber drivers are being treated like shit (laughs) or whatever it is something that's more like headline grabbing did you buy uber stock by the way? No, I did not buy Uber stock. And I feel like uh, the public markets have taken a real uh, sledgehammer to the share price. So good thing I didn't. Okay, (laughs) I'm a bad
0: investor. I'm like literally probably the worst (laughs) investor you know, and I I didn't even buy it. And last one that you said, and then I want to jump into my friend's product that we're going to do a live PR strategy on, and I think this will be helpful for everyone, is the snowball effect. I think that was pretty unique. I haven't heard anyone... Talking about that, can you briefly describe that so others can copy you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess really what the snowball effect is that once you and this is an area like, honestly, I think we need to get a lot better because we have so many requests coming in, not so many, but we have enough requests coming in where, you know, if I only got one or two a month, I would be able to really track those and, you know, follow up with them and all that. But we might get 15 to 20 or 20 to 30 in a big month uh, reporters reaching out to us. And so now what I do is I kind of leverage my contributors. So we have people on on YouTube, we have people on the blog. And when I'm not available, or to be a little callous, like frankly, when the outlet isn't super big, or I don't think is that worthy of my time, I'll send one of my contributors to go on my behalf. And so if you reach out to me for a media opportunity to say, hey, you know, we want to talk to you about Uber's, you know, uh, ruling on this employment issue, AB5, I'll say, hey, you know, oh, I'd love to, but I'm actually busy at that time. I can have one of my senior rideshare guy contributors come on, though, you know, he's done media here, X, Y, and Z before he'd be a great fit. And almost 99% of the Time they say yes, and sort of like a good way to expand our media, you know, presence, links, awareness, etc., without me even having to do it. Is that kind of what you were asking about? Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's something that you can do with the media, and you can also do with your sales. It's something that we've used at At AppSumo. Instead of you selling, just connect two people that would one, that it's a great connection for them, and two, they're more likely to be an honest and more effective salesperson than, than yeah. you or I will ever be. So I love that, and it expands the leverage of your brand.
1: Yeah. And I think it is important, though, that I'm like kind of the point person, right? Like if they just emailed me and someone random person from my team replied, it's not the same as me just like very quickly sending an intro email or, you know, a lot of times I'll just copy them on the email so they can take it from there. What made you want to come on the show? To to, like, do you want a link? Is that all you wanted? I would have just given you a link. I mean, I think that a link would definitely be nice. But really, what I want is sometimes like it's a little cheesy, but I feel like four or five years ago, like I was in the position of a lot of your listeners in the audience, like kind of trying to learn and like how the hell are these guys doing it? How are they figuring it out? And now I've gotten to the point where like I'm the guy talking about it. And so it is like I guess selfishly, it feels good to kind of like give back and inspire other people. And also, you know, I get a lot of people that ask me about this, and I want a good place to point them to. So uh, hopefully it benefits everyone.
0: Before we dive into the live case study around it, is there any other types of things around PR that we missed on or that you think that's kind of like, hey, this is the foundational stuff people need to be thinking about? Like one I was thinking about is how do you even know who you should go after for PR?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm helping a few of the companies that I'm an advisor, investor in. I'm helping them right now with a lot of this like early kind of what I call early PR. This is like before you're hiring a PR team, kind of when you're trying to get the best bang for your buck, you're maybe trying to at one or two or three features or links or whatever it might be. And what I have found is that let's say you're launching a new product if you have a competitor in that space, see who else has covered them. And that's kind of like a good starting point. If you're looking for a list of reporters in the Uber space, for example, there's actually beat reporters at every tech outlet that anytime there's big news about Uber, they all write a story. So that's really easy. It's like you go and look up in Google, what's the last thing? So Uber just released a product called Uber Money last week. And you know they send it out to all these reporters under embargo. And then there's like 25 articles written about it that all say the same thing. But now you have a list of 25 reporters who all cover Uber. So if you have a product in that related space, you can find them. Uh, So those are just a couple things you can use to kind of start somewhere.
0: All right. So look them up on Google News, search maybe Twitter for keywords. A lot of times on
1: major presses, I just you're right. They have their email address like this writer email address. I mean, a lot of these reporters like don't want to miss out on scoops. Right. And so they do have something public. It's just kind of like about standing out. Right. I think keep that in mind, like they're looking for this stuff. So you just have to kind of put in front of their face, remind them, you know, attack it from a few different angles. And, you know, then, of course, it helps to have a good product. If your product sucks or your announcement sucks, then there's not much you can do. When should someone start PR? Right. Like if I have a software product or if I'm starting an an
0: e-commerce store or if I'm trying to be a social media influencer, do I want to be doing this stuff right away or do I want to wait
1: till I've gotten my content strategy and my ad strategy and then do PR? I think that it depends on the type of PR you're looking for. I mean, I think the stuff when you're going for real journalists, that's like not necessarily the big leagues, but it's once you're starting to see some traction and, you know, I call it like when you're ready to pour a little bit of gas on the fire, like when you're still trying to make sparks, you probably don't want to waste your time doing stuff like this. But if anything falls into your lap, I always always uh, recommend that you take it. Like no media is bad media. You never know what's going to get syndicated. You never know who is working at, you know, the College Times of Arizona, who's going to be at the New York Times in five years. So if something falls into your lap, definitely take it. But otherwise, you know, when you are kind of, uh, you know, getting started, I don't think it needs to be a huge focus. But if you see some traction, you can look to it or you can even look, you know, like there's PR PR, but there's also like PR from other bloggers, travel bloggers, you know, whatever, depending on the niche that you're in. You know, one thing that. I I hear from a lot of people, especially I was thinking of one of my best
0: friends, Adam. He has great things to say, but how can you approach getting on other shows?
1: Like other podcasts?
0: Yeah, getting on other podcasts and so forth. You know, there's different things. There's PR in in magazines. There's PR on YouTube. Maybe let's just do a a quick on that. So Adam runs mybodytutor.com. How would you advise him or if you were his you know, he hired you for PR to get him on popular shows. He coaches executives and business leaders in how to live a healthy lifestyle.
1: So I think definitely it would start with kind of making a target list of the shows that he wants to get on. So if he's doing my body tutor, I'm assuming this is something for, you know, getting healthy or getting your body in shape or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not a avid listener of those (laughs) shows on podcasts, but I'm sure that there's a bunch, you know, let's say five to 10 top shows. And if he's going to go and try and get on those podcasts like frankly i think it's going to be super tough you know to like have to cold reach out but if there's a few that are a really good fit i think that you can kind of start with that strategy of really like kind of understanding like, hey, how big is this niche? Are these shows getting like millions of listeners? If so, like honestly, I'm, I'm not even sure what he can do off the top of my head other than know the right person who can intro him or meet him at a conference. Like I think for those really kind of cream of the crop shows, like you almost have to have some unique meeting with them. So like you have to meet them at a conference or you have to like get introduced in real life. Like I'm not really that confident that he would be able to even pitch them. Like I might advise him not to even like try and waste his time. Maybe if it's like a quick little email. But I don't know that for those really top cream of the crop shows, it's going to work like that. Well,
0: because that's what I'm wondering, like, do you want to try to be the hot chick or the
1: hot guy strategy where you
0: do something that's so great that people are coming yeah. to you? Because I noticed a year and a half ago, when I was working more on my YouTube and the podcast, I asked a lot of people, let me get on your show, let me get on your show, let me get on your show. And it was just like, no, Noah, we don't want you on the show, even though I had unique things to say. But when yeah. I focused on just building Sumo, building the different businesses that we're working on and helping customers, you know, people would come to me.
1: Yeah, I will say that I think it's a little bit of a combination. Like my strategy has really been to be like the guy to go to in the rideshare space. You know, like if you're Googling anything, if you're looking for it on social media or Facebook or books or Amazon we're everywhere now. And when you really want to know about Uber and Lyft or drivers, like I want it to be super clear that. I'm the one to talk to. So then when reporters, you know, if there's a breaking story on Uber drivers, it's sort of like there's literally like no one else we can talk to. It's like, damn, we have to talk to this guy. I think that makes it a lot more compelling than when there's 25 different people that you can talk to about business marketing or, you know, growing a YouTube channel or whatever it might be.
0: Well, I don't think we really helped Adam enough. I know he's going to listen to the episode and he's like, oh, shit, bro. I'm not going well, to any shows. I think
1: that we're not done yet with Adam. So if he does want to get on shows, like realistically, I think that it's going to be tough to get on one of the top shows, depending on, you know, the, the listeners and all that. But at the same time, like at a bare minimum strategy, like if I was trying to get on, let's say, 15 podcasts, and I've actually done this before, let's say they're more like lower to medium, I would probably go ahead and do things like subscribing to their show, leaving a review for their show, following them on Twitter. And at some point, letting them know that I'm a fan, I left a review for your show in iTunes, doing things like that in order to kind of like build some type of little bond so that when you do hit them up later, that it's harder for them to say no. So I'll give you a good example with right now, there's a podcast and, you know, like this doesn't always work, obviously. And I would say if anything, it works less of the time than it works You know, so if I'm I was trying to reach out to this show, I believe it was called like the war on cars and I was pitching them on doing a rideshare episode. And I really wanted to get on this show because it doesn't have the biggest audience, I don't think. But it has like a very specific audience and like the public policy arena. And we're trying to do all this stuff with those like urban planner types. And so I actually listened to two or three of their shows. I left a review. I shared their shows on Twitter. And then I emailed the guy with a bunch of ideas that we could potentially talk about. And it's like, hey, you know, I loved your show. They did a show on the old uh, car talk guys. I was like, I loved your show on car tech. I used to listen to that with my dad when we were growing up. Anyways, here's who I am. And here's why you should have me on. So it's like pretty clear that like, hey, I'm a fan of this show. I actually, you know, am somewhat have something interesting to say. I'm somewhat legit. And the guy told me like, hey, we're not recording right now, but come back in October when we are. And so I just emailed him again the other day. And we'll see what he says. I like the
0: approach. So it is kind of a similar strategy. I think number one, which is great is, okay, why am I doing this? So have some purpose. Number two, create your target list. Number three, spend like three months, give or take taking in their stuff like benefiting them and so forth, giving to them. And after three months, I've always joked, I've never had when I was single, I never had someone come to my door randomly and knock to be like, hey, I'm really good looking person. I want to <laughs> be with you. That's literally yeah. never happened once. It, you have to actually put in that effort. And I do think you have to do the ask. Like I've gone on some of the larger shows, the largest shows that I've ever been on. It wasn't just random. It's like I did intentionally yeah. work with them to make it interesting for them to be on it. And after helping them, you know, like Tim or Pat Flynn, I've helped them a lot over the years where it made sense to to do something together.
1: Yeah. I mean, actually, Pat Flynn is a good example because that's a show that I went on, but I pitched him many, 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 many times <laughs> before I actually ever got on. And it wasn't until I actually met him in person at FinCon and we sort of started chatting. And even then, he still didn't have me on, even though, you know, once he learned that I was a huge fan and had listened and read all his stuff over the years. And it, like, I was like the perfect case study for his his podcast. But it still took a lot of kind of like pitching and prodding and like really following it. Like I was like a huge fan for years and pitched him multiple times and had a great story and had a great, great case study and met him in person before I finally like was able to get invited onto his show. So just to like put things in perspective. Yeah, it takes time and persistence. Yeah it was like a lot of time, a lot of persistence. And one thing I did learn from that is that like sometimes these unique meetings, these kind like you might meet someone at a conference like I just met at FinCon. I met this big YouTube uh, blogger, Graham Stevens, right, who's this big personal finance guy. And he's growing a huge channel right now. And I really wanted to meet him at FinCon because he lives in L.A. I live in L.A. You know, his business is booming and probably, you know, he's much bigger celebrity than me. But I wanted to meet him. And I'm kind of I did end up meet him after his panel. But I was like one of many people meeting him. And I just kind of realized like, this guy's probably never going to remember who I am versus like at FinCon, I met Pat Flynn at a basketball game. I think you were actually there was that, at that, that basketball, basketball game, yeah. too. That was the first time I met him. And he remembered my name, remembered my face, because it was like such a, a different type of meeting than, you know, kind of like one of many in the crowd. So I think like kind of standing out, when you do meet someone, or when you do pitch someone, and looking for like those really unique opportunities is what my advice would be, especially for like the biggest and the best shows.
0: Let's go into the product. So the product—it's literally a friend of mine. His name is Alan Walton. He's like you, just a nice dude. I've known him over the yeah. years. We've hung out from time to time. Do you know Alan?
1: No, I don't. But uh, sounds like a nice dude.
0: You meet certain people, you're like, ah, oh, I want him to do well. So Alan is based up in Dallas. Uh, he runs SpyGuy.com, and he launched a product today. It's called the Scout Hidden Camera Finder. He sent me a link about it and Alan and I have been friends and helped each other out. He's like probably bought stuff from Appsumo.com. He's used sumo for capturing emails and, and so forth and so forth. So he launched his product today and it was on product hunt and then we're texting about it. And what he says to me is he's saying, I'm having trouble getting anyone in the media to cover it, even though there's plenty of major stories about people finding hidden cameras in their Airbnbs. If you have yeah. any ideas, I'd love to hear about them. So his thing is called the Scout Hidden Camera Finder and it hmm. helps find all the hidden cameras in your airbnbs hotels i guess restrooms
1: interesting well this is actually an easy one for me so what i would do right off the bat is i would have my va go in and just do a generic search of anyone who's ever covered any story related to hidden cameras uh so you know.
0: let's do it live let's like really do it
1: because like you said <laughs> we're the VA, doing it like live. i'm like that's
0: like magic stuff i'm like
1: let's, oh, okay so where am i searching that so for example if you go to google and you start searching for stories about, I would probably type in keywords like hidden camera, Airbnb, for example. All right, I just did it. All right, so hidden camera. What come up? Should I click on news or should I just look at the main article? you definitely want news. All right, news. And so now you have a huge list of articles and you can also, one cool thing is you can actually sort it by time. So if you wanted, like this is something where there's obviously, there's like a lot of coverage right now about, I haven't even read these articles, but there's like multiple coming up. So we could probably do a further sort by, you know, like the last month, for example. Oh, there's
0: so many. So I opened all these stories
1: up. I just opened up five. I opened up like the ones that are, came from the last day. So now that you have the ones that came from the last day, I think that, you know, depending on the story, you kind of want to do a loose filter and make sure they're somewhat relevant. Like, I don't know, what is the first story you're looking at? So this is on
0: Forbes. It's how to find a hidden camera in your house or Airbnb or anywhere
1: by okay. this sounds like a pretty good fit for us right okay. <laughs> With this product and uh, i'm reading this article now too and it basically it looks like he's got some tips he says observation skills so he's got some article about this like depending on how in-depth you want to go like i probably won't even read this article but i'm assuming you know he does have some other app in here it's like fing from ios or fing for android and so i think that you could potentially pitch him or you know just send him an email you know like share this article for example on twitter This guy's a journalist. I'm assuming he's on Twitter. So you could share this post from your Twitter. If you had a blog on the maybe you do like a little weekly roundup of news this week. And this is one of the articles that you feature. And then, you know, at some point in the future, maybe in a week or a month, you email him maybe probably sooner rather than later. But you could email this guy and let him know, hey, you know, I read your article about finding a hidden camera. I actually launched this company that does something similar. And here's why my product is better or so much more awesome or whatever you want to say. But I do feel like for a pitch like this where it's a little bit not spammy or generic like you probably want to do a little bit more work and actually read this post and actually see how you could provide value by emailing him because I've done stuff like this before where we write about something and like take it to the next level or go more in depth and people have actually added a link to their article after the fact so you know that's like what a potential benefit could be. And this article looks like it has 226,000 views since October 30th, which is around six days ago. And that's a lot of views. So you could not only get a good SEO link from Forbes, but you might actually get some traffic from it too.
0: So this guy's written an article. He's linked some things in here. He's mentioned a few products. So TJ though, let's break it down. TJ's got Twitter. He's got LinkedIn. He's got a website. Yeah. We would do this for basically, let's just say I don't know, 10, 20, 50 different people. You're saying, we know TJ, he's written about it, he's super wet for this kind of stuff. Do we like tweet him right now and say, hey, I have this because I think what most people do or I'm assuming what Alan did is just tweet him. Hey, I got this product. Can you write about it? Yeah, I wouldn't do
1: that because this guy probably gets a million pitches like that. So what I would do is share this article at a minimum. I would share this article on Twitter and at TJ and at Forbes. So from the spy guy profile. Okay, so do that. Number one, do you message him or connect with him on LinkedIn? I kind of like to do a little bit of a staggered approach so that he keeps seeing my name. So, you know, you can do this in any way that you want, but I will never do do it all in one day. So let's say I do this on the first day. The second day, I go and follow him. So now he gets another little... If he's checking his notifications, he sees that I followed him. You know, third day, I I like a few of his tweets, maybe retweet a couple things. So now like, you know, three to four days or, you know, maybe over the course of a week, he's seen my name pop up a bunch of times. You know, you could add him on LinkedIn too. You know, I I don't know that there's any one strategy, but at a certain point, you do need to email this guy or reach out to him and kind of make your ask, right? And I think in a situation like this, what you're going to be asking for is, you know, like now that you've established some relationship or some, you know, kind of connection, you can, you know, just sort of like give him a heads up on your product, right? Maybe it's something, you know, if you're really bold, maybe you ask him to add it to this article or maybe just to consider it for a future article or something like that. So one, I love the
0: staggered approach. I think that's really creative Two, a lot of people what they're going to be doing, which is annoying is what software do I need to use to track and just use a Google spreadsheet, like put the person's name in, (laughs) put their link, and then I like what you're doing, which is Columns, which is so what you can do, which is sounds like maybe as simple, is like put the date you add them and then have columns that's like day two, day three, day four with the action that you're doing.
1: And then literally every time you add someone, you can do it and then eventually pass it off to a NOAA assistant. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, this works with a lot more than just media and PR. I mean, this works with a lot of people that you're trying to develop a relationship with, and maybe you stagger it out over a further timeline. But it's sort of like most people, you know, if they meet someone, they add them on LinkedIn, and then maybe you don't hear from them in three months, and then you reach out to them and say six months, what I would always rather do is, you know, like have a few different contact points so that in the future, if I do need something from them or I do reach out to them, they've sort of seen my name pop up a few times, basically.
0: That is very true. You start noticing people based on that. And so here's the part that I want to finish and hit home. So you've started, you've started giving at the end of the day. I think it is intentional and strategic, but you are helping them and focusing on them. How do you do the ask?
1: So I think in this type of situation, I'm going to send an email to TJ and sort of lay all those things out, like kind of the things that I gave. And then maybe there's, you know, some type of ask in there around, like, I guess, like I said, if I'm really bold, maybe I ask for him to consider this, you know, adding this to his article. Looks like he's a contributor for Forbes, so he may be able to go in after the fact and update the article if it's really valuable. I think what I would do too is, you know, just give him, a heads up on this product and it doesn't you know a no doesn't necessarily have to be the end of the world but let's say he replies to my email and says hey this is pretty cool I'm not going to cover it at this time but i'll think about it for the future maybe i go to his profile then and see what other type of stuff he's covering you know is he covering all new products is he covering you know kind of see what he's looking for and then kind of keep that in mind for the future maybe when i have a better pitch for him so it could even be like setting him up for the next pitch
0: well the only thing i i was concerned with for alan and this product is that it's time sensitive so, maybe if he knew he was launching it today or, or he knew he was launching it sooner, he should have started this a month ago.
1: Yeah. So, that might be the ideal thing because that's one of the things that I tell a lot of people. Like, reporters love getting exclusives, right? Or being the first to see something or, you know, getting like a being the first to cover it. Even if it's something that's, you know, like the, I guess the psychological nature for reporters, like if they're the first to cover something, that like always makes them feel good <laughs> and, you know, they get the scoop on it, right? So, you can imagine if you did this a month in advance and you emailed TJ, like, hey, I saw you covered, you know, know, like how to find a hidden camera in your house or Airbnb anywhere, I actually have a product coming out that's not on your list. It's never been covered before. And I think it's going to be really interesting for your viewers. You know, that might be something that he's more likely to cover once you've done all that other stuff for him.
0: So one, you got to give it a week or two of really helping these people out starting this a little bit sooner. I still think the ask is a hard ask because I personally like
1: asking for things if I think it's good for the other person and it's not cheating or dishonest. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely be clear. Like this is a hard ask. Like I think we're going to have a pretty. Low success rate with something like this. But, you know, we are just thinking about this literally. Like, you didn't tell me about this product before we got on. We're thinking about it off the top of my head. So, I'm sure if we put some more thought into it or Alan put some more thought into it, he could probably make a little bit better pitch. Or, like you said, you know, plan it out, you know, even one day in advance or one week in advance, right? It doesn't need to be months in advance. But, you know, I think that you actually brought up a good point. Alan launched this product. Now he's like, okay, how do I promote this? What he really should be doing is like launching the product and thinking about promotion ahead of time. So, what I I notice is that a lot of people reach out to me. There's like a million Uber driver books out there, like people writing about stories and this and that. And they'll email me once it's live and ask me to promote it. I'm like, why the hell would I promote this random Uber driver book? Okay. But if they would have reached out to me while they're writing the book and said, hey, would you like to include a quote or even better? Like, hey, I saw you had this quote in one of your articles and I'm going to use it in my book if that's OK with you. I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is say yes. I don't be in some random book. I don't even care if it's big or small. Why would I ever say no to that? Then... When the book comes out, they ask me for their review or to come on my podcast or whatever it might be. Now I'm like, damn it, I'm in this book. It's gonna be pretty hard for me to say no to this, right?
0: Yeah, it makes you look good.
1: Yeah, it makes me look good. I'm in the book, right? So, but you know, uh, you people.
0: Know, I, I think people hear that advice and then they send you a crap email. They're like, hey, Harry, can you give me a quote so you can really promote my shit later? It's got to be sincere, otherwise, right? You know, it definitely can see has to be
1: right. It has to be sincere, but I think you also have to think about like kind of what's working in your industry, right? Like I think you're very well versed in the online marketing industry, where a lot lot of these tactics are like pretty spammy. But that's one of the things I love about studying other industries is because you can, like this roundup strategy is something that a lot of personal finance bloggers were doing back in the day. And I don't even know if they're still doing it, but I kind of and it was like kind of spammy back in the day. Right. Because it was just like what you were describing. It was like, oh, cool. I got featured in some random personal finance, you know, my sense this, sense that. But in my industry, in the rideshare industry, like none of these journalists are getting tweets every week that say, like, you've been featured on the rideshare guy. Thanks for keeping us updated. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think sometimes there's a
0: balance where you have to figure out where the highest leverage activities are, right? Because you can go get on a 1,000 different shows or get a 1,000 different journalists. At the end of the day, that might not move the needle for your business. So I think there's a component of building up, like a, as a fire, starting with smaller ones building a practice to use larger ones. But also, if you're trying to get on shows or if you're trying to build relationships or you're trying to get you know press or whatever types of things, either how can you scale it? So it, it, what you're doing, which is really clever, is now you're emailing 300 people getting 300 things instead of one by one. That makes a difference.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'll even if we have time, I'll even share one quick thing that we're sort of developing or working on right now, and it's unlinked mentions. And so what we're realizing right now is that we're getting so many media coming to us that a lot of times these guys are not linking or not quoting. And I always ask for it upfront in a nice way, but sometimes they don't do it. And we kind of have just been, you know, no link, (laughs) no traffic. And now what we do is we actually search for these on a weekly basis using Google alerts. And we also follow up. So if I took a call with a reporter today, I add them to a spreadsheet and we go check their profile in a week or we send them an email in a week to see if that article went live and to see if we got a link. If we didn't get the link, then we'll email that reporter directly or their editor or you know whatever email we can find for the publication and ask them for a link back. And I believe like the exact verbiage we use is something where it's like, hey, you know, we want to make sure that your readers can find our site if they want to learn more about what we're doing or something like that. So it's not just like, hey, link to us. Like What I want is a link, to be frank. But we sort of say it in a way where it's not like so demanding. You know, to summarize a lot of this is that you're investing
0: in the other person. And after you've invested, you ask for a little bit of a return. It just if I had to keep yeah. it really simple, you're saying, here's the people I want to work with or be friends with or partner with or get on their shows. Here's all these different ways that I can find out when it's happening in ways that I can make sure I'm responding to them. And then over time, you do say like, hey, here's some stuff I'm doing that I think is relevant that you may want to benefit your
1: audience or your writing or your partnerships or whatever it is. And I think also looking out for opportunities, you know, like kind of putting yourself in the best position to get a yes, like one of the kind of I don't know how common or well known this strategy is, but like when people have new products or services coming out, like they're a lot more likely to say yes to doing a podcast interview when they have a new book coming out. And you've probably heard that's why, you know, whenever anyone has a new book, they go on like everybody's show, right? So I think that it doesn't need to be that specific strategy, but I kind of call it like topical timing or topical marketing. So like, for example, with our buddy with this spy camera product, like I would set a bunch of alerts for, you know, like any stories that are going to be really big about, you know, like, I don't know, cameras being found, or, you know, because if you can hit them really quickly, while it's topical, I think that you have a big advantage there, you know, kind of like what this is, is marketing, like you're marketing your product, or you're marketing yourself, or you're marketing your service. And so if you can time it around an event, where someone is going to be more likely to say yes to covering it, or more likely to switch to this product, or whatever it might be, then you just increase your chances for success.
0: I think for Alan with the product, too, it's like, is this generally better for people? Like, you know, I think with marketing, a lot of the times or sales or partnerships, it's like we're always care about ourselves. Everyone's selfish. But how is it really helping the other person? The other thing I was thinking for Alan for PR is that like he should go literally find cameras in hotels or Airbnbs and create something that is worthy of people wanting to talk about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think that's sort of where you kind of have to go back to that slider and think about like, hey, where am I going to get kind of like the highest return for my time? But also, you know, like, where am I going to stand out the most? with my pitch or this activity that I'm doing. And I do think generally, like there's no shortcut for a lot of these things. Like if you just go and cold email of uh, 50 people, you're probably gonna get zero responses. But doing something like what you described, like actually going out there and finding something and, you know, like giving a heads up to a reporter or something like that, like that would be at the other extreme. But I think that it would, you know, work really well. And it's like very unique and like could be even, you know, like a repeatable strategy. Yeah. I think for me, one thing I've looked at that
0: I think is relevant for the show and what we're talking about, and I like what you said, is that this is a system that applies to a, basically working with other people at the end yep. of the day, and like from being on a show to, you know, Adam wanting to be on a podcast to links and, and so forth. One of the things that I, I'm trying to get better at or working on getting better at is looking at my calendar on Sunday. And I realized like I realized like how many of the activities am I doing are actually like high value activities. And if you think about it, building relationships that are going to benefit you at a later point in time is probably one of the highest ROI things you could be doing. And what I notice is that, like, I don't actually have any of that in my calendar. It's very random when I'll find someone I want to meet or that wants to meet me and so forth. But I need to get better at planning, actually, like, all right, every Thursday for one hour, let's make a list of people you want to meet or companies you want to connect with and actually be a little bit more intentional for the future versus, you know, as Alan's doing, just doing it today, like most of us do, including myself. Yeah.
1: And I'll be honest, like, I think what you're describing right now is super high level next level, but it's also like insanely valuable. And even like doing these little interactions, like these little check ins, I just read a book, Uh, it might have been recommended on your show. Was it giftology? Was that recommended on your show? I think so. I read it. And like even stuff like that, like one of our top affiliates right now, I added them to a spreadsheet where we check every month of just like potential gifts, that we can give out and like i don't know what i'm going to give them or when but it's like hey i'm i'm not thinking about them and like you know they're going to get Little gift from me at some point, in addition to like all our normal communication and me asking for, like, I just asked them to sponsor a new podcast. And so they're going to get like all the normal stuff, but I'm like looking for these other opportunities. Like, if I haven't checked in with them in a month or two or three months, I want to check in with them. So I'm an advisor for six or seven companies. And in Asana, I just have a recurring task. Some of these companies that I'm working more closely with are monthly, some of them are bi monthly, some of them are quarterly. But all I do is just send them a check in email or I reach out to them to grab lunch or whatever it might be just to kind to keep that relationship going. I'm
0: literally doing right now. I'm going to put an hour every week moving forward on those Thursdays where I I dedicate to connecting with people I want to be connecting with or thanking people I'm already working with. Do you want people to go check out your podcast or your book? Do you want them to send you iced tea? What would you like? <laughs> well,
1: I think if they ever see me in person, definitely. I prefer beer <laughs> over iced tea. But uh, I think that iced tea is the the key to your heart. But um, yeah, no, if they definitely, if they are interested in kind of probably more the rideshare mobility topics, I do a lot of like industry topics on my podcast. And then if they have any interest in what we're up to around Uber or Lyft, you know, you've got the site, therideshareguy.com or pretty much just type the rideshare guy into any little search box and I'll pop up. Ben, you closed me. You got the link. <laughs> I want to get you a shirt. Maybe I'll make you a shirt. I got the link. Okay. Dork, I like that. I haven't, I haven't got the link yet, but if I don't, you know, you'll be hearing from my VA,
0: you know, he me messed up as
1: if I put you in
0: there, but I don't actually link it just to mess <laughs> with you. I'm like, Hey, I had this guy on the show. He uh, talks about PR. Yeah. No name, no link, no nothing. And, uh, that
1: would be a uh, full circle.
0: <laughs> All right. I do have to rock man, but I All appreciate right, it. Ya. Thank you, Harry. That's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode. If you did, go give Harry some love at therideshareguy.com. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's grab some chicken wings together. (laughs) And before you go, let me know what you thought of the episode by emailing podcast at okdork.com. You should just email me a pitch to get on the show. That's what you should do. That's what most of the emails that come there. Also, remember to go check out chisos.com, C-H-I-S-O-S.com for comfortable boots and Harry's site, therideshareguy.com. And a final special thanks to Jason at podcasttech.com for doing all the magic on the shows. He turns it from a lump of coal into a diamond. And a special thanks to Sean, David, and Mitchell of the Dork Team. And a special shout out to Ibaldo. You're the man. I love your design magic at Sumo. Just want to let you know I'm thinking about you and you rock. What's your favorite
1: emoji?